Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be starting a new podcast for you. It's on the topic of eco-anxiety. From the word itself, you can probably surmise what it's about. Or you may have seen the word come up on social media in the context of the feeling of overwhelm or fear that we have when we think about or see news regarding the climate crisis. Google Trends shows me that the word eco-anxiety started to be searched in April 2016, but there's been a massive spike in the search query eco-anxiety since January 2019. So first, let's get into what eco-anxiety is. In March 2017, the American Psychological Association published the paper, Mental Health and Our Changing Climate, Impacts, Implications, and Guidance, with input from Eco-America and Climate for Health. And to sum it up, eco-anxiety is the effect that the climate crisis has on mental health. There's a lot to learn about eco-anxiety from this paper alone, and I sought it out because I was looking for guidance from professional psychologists. The APA is the preeminent source in the study of psychology today, and was the source I relied on often in my linguistics degree. This document is extensive. There are 70 pages illustrating what eco-anxiety is, from its first-hand effects to reverberations. There are accounts of Inuit communities in the Northern Hemisphere that are facing changes to the food they can source, and cultural erasure as ice disappears, but eco-anxiety can impact anyone a parent imagining their child's future, or your child watching a koala being pulled out of an Australian bushfire on the news. The climate crisis is already being felt in many parts of the world, and eco-anxiety isn't going away. So I want to use this podcast to learn more about it. In an upcoming episode, I'll be asking my friend Josh, an author and therapist with whom I co-host The Panic Pod, what his opinion is on whether eco-anxiety is the right term to describe what the sensation is or not. And then I also want to hear from people who are working at a grassroots level to enact change. I live in southeast London and came across a campaign led by the artist Love Sega on the South Circular Road and the illegal levels of air pollution that those who live by it are experiencing. I'm very grateful that Love Sega has agreed to be interviewed for this podcast, which I'll also share in part on the Imaginary Millions Soho radio show that I co-host. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm interested to hear what other therapists think as well, especially ones who have diagnosed patients with eco-anxiety. With Josh, I'm always reminded that anxiety disorder is different than the feeling of anxiety. With anxiety disorder, the amygdala is firing off, putting the poor body through the sensations of the fight-or-flight response, when there is simply no threat in front of them. The emotion of anxiety is a biological adaptation that's helped us survive. Adrenaline helps us to do things like jump out of the way when you suddenly notice a cyclist coming towards you or swerve and avoid a deer on a highway. Adrenaline allows for the reflex reactions we need before we can intellectualize what's happening in the prefrontal cortex. Cortisol is our other stress hormone, and it's responsible for our sleep cycle, waking us up in the morning, and also it helps for stuff like making us feel rightly concerned that our council tax is paid on time, or making us check what time it is when we're stuck in traffic if we're going to pick up our kids from school. So adrenaline and cortisol are perfectly normal and natural hormones in the body. 
but panic disorder is when those hormones get out of control. Too much cortisol can make us arrive at a negative thought, which can trigger adrenaline and create the really uncomfortable sensations of anxiety, like sweaty palms, tinnitus, breathing changes, racing thoughts, all the awful anxious feelings. So then, what about eco-anxiety? If generalized anxiety disorder is when anxiety is firing off without a threat, how well a descriptor is anxiety when we're talking about the fear that we have about the climate? I, for one, get anxious watching news of California wildfires or flooding in Cornwall, but I don't have an anxiety disorder. I think it's a natural human reaction to feel stress when we see something like that that hits so close to home. When I was reading the APA's 70-page document, Mental Health and Our Changing Climate, I could feel myself getting stressed. Reading about how temperature increases correlate with the increased rates of violence, domestic abuse, and assault, that was enough to get my cortisol pumping. Reading about climate refugees caused by mass migration, food insecurity, and flooding was making me feel anxious. My heart rate was increasing, my breathing pattern shortened, I was blinking less, all the telltale signs that my body was feeling anxious. I was looking at the page numbers, and when I got to page 35, I stopped and I took a break. I think this is something I learned from being in climate action groups. If you can't take care of yourself, how are you going to take care of others or the climate? And also, I don't have an anxiety disorder, but I certainly have in the past, and I'm grateful for it because through it, I've learned a lot of coping mechanisms that can help me get through an anxious response back to a feeling of relative calm or homeostasis. When I got to the halfway point, I gave myself a break, and what I did is I rolled out a yoga mat and just did a few basic stretches because for me, there's nothing better than basic body awareness to calm some anxiety down. I also could have taken a walk in the park, um, but also what I did, which might be a little more idiosyncratic to me, was I spoke out loud to myself. That makes me feel better too. I verbalized how I was feeling to myself so that when those anxious thoughts arose, they had a purpose. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm pretty sure it started with something like, I am so scared. I'm scared that this is never going to get better. And like I say, this might not be your cup of tea speaking out loud, but whether it was out loud or I said those words to myself in my head, the admission that I was scared actually made me feel a bit better. I started saying to myself how actually it felt kind of good to be reading this paper, even though it made me scared. It was validating to see experts writing about something I had felt my whole life. I grew up in Calgary, which is the oil capital of Canada, and ever since I was 11, the climate crisis and the alarming levels of CO2 in our atmosphere from fossil fuel emissions were lied about to me. Facts presented about the climate crisis came out that the majority of my family members refused to believe. This left a mark on me growing up, and those effects of gaslighting come out in the art that I produce as a musician. Truth is more important to me than anything else. I'm lucky that a few people in my family stayed honest, even when it was hard truths on the line. 
but I'll carry on with that in another episode. For now, I want to thank you for the interest in this topic. I hope you'll hit the subscribe button, engage with Mystery Planet Eco Anxiety on Instagram, and let me know you're out there. I'll speak to you soon, and until then, remember, when you're on Earth, you're never alone. Much love and talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Bye.